So a, uh, a friend of mine um, asked his nine-year-old daughter what she wanted for her birthday, and she said, a Disney cruise. Um, and so he, he thought, you know, I really want to honor her request to try to figure it out. So he, he found an amazing deal online, and uh, they were able to do a two-day cruise. And so they went there. He was kind of nervous. He was pretty anxious about this, didn't know if he'd belong, you know, fit in, all that stuff. But went anyway. And so when they got there, they're getting on the, sh- the ship, this ramp or whatever, and it's lined with all the cruise staff, and they are cheering, all cheering, just welcoming everyone that was participating, everyone on board. And then he said as he, was wa- as he would walk around that, um, that people, it was like they knew him. They, they knew who he was. All the staff people kind of knew who he was or whatever. Um, and so the next morning, he and his daughter, they got up, and his daughter realized that she had um, forgotten her hairbrush, that she left her hairbrush at home, so she didn't have a hairbrush. And she was very distraught. She was very upset about that. And, and it just so happened that a guy from the staff was cleaning their room. He was putting new towels in their room. And, and so my friend said, hey, my daughter forgot her hairbrush, and is there anything, you know, can, can, is there a place I can get a hairbrush or something? And the, and the guy said, I'll take care of it. Five minutes later, there's a knock on the door. Cinderella is there holding a hairbrush. If you can imagine the impact on, on his daughter, right? Uh, so Cinderella is there offering to brush her hair. So then later that day, they, they went to have lunch, and they, um, they were assigned a, a table number through the whole cruise. They just needed to tell this number to the, the host who would seat them. And so they went up t- to eat lunch, and, and uh, my friend kind of has a little bit of a stuttering problem, a speech, has a speech impediment. Okay, it's KJ. But um, so, <clears throat> so Pastor KJ um, goes up to this, this host and, and, and gets out. His number was 886, which is a really hard number for him to say. And so it takes him a while to get it out. And, and the person said, okay, they seat them. <clears throat> so then at dinner, there are several restaurants in, the, in, this, in this hotel, I mean, on this cruise ship. And, and so they went to another, one of the restaurants on this ship. And as he was getting up there, he was kind of preparing himself to say those words. And before he could do that, the host said, table 886, and took him to their table. And that same thing happened Every meal after that, they anticipated the struggle he was going to have saying those words, and they knew him, and they said it for him. So by the time that they left the ship two days later, as the crew was again cheering for them, KJ was in in tears. He was in tears. I mean, he felt like he was leaving family. Now, we all know that Pastor KJ cries a lot. Anyway, but, um, (laughs) but as he was telling me about this experience... You know, we both kind of had this similar reaction. Wouldn't it be amazing if that was how people always experienced Christians? Wouldn't it be amazing if that was how people always experienced church? Where the first time they attend church and they're kind of battling with feelings of anxiety, I don't know if I belong here, and all of that, they felt so welcomed and so valued and so seen and heard that it actually brought tears to their eyes. See, I I actually think that that's what God had in mind when he set up this thing called church. You know, sort of like this cruise ship of of his followers who are so filled with his love for them that they can't help but love pour love into the other people around them. I mean, isn't that, a, isn't that a fun image? I mean, isn't that a powerful picture of the life that God invites us to experience, a life where we are dispensing love 
to the people around us. I mean, what a huge contrast. What a huge contrast to so much of what we're seeing in our society today. People shouting at each other and people calling each other horrible things and, and people tweeting, rating comments about people. I mean, we have an amazing opportunity to be different, to demonstrate the opposite of all of that, to demonstrate love. Those three little words, I love you, can be so powerful, can be so powerful when they're actually lived out. I mean, that kind of love can transform relationships, it can transform marriages, it can transform families, it can transform people, it can transform communities. So for the past few weeks, we have been talking very practically about how we can do this, how we can live out these three little words, how we can live out this kind of love. First week, I see you. Second week, I hear you. Third week, I serve you. Well, in this final message in this series, we want to talk about one final way. That, I mean, there are many others, but we're going to talk here. One fourth way that we can pour out the life-giving water of love into our relationships. And it's through this, this thing called blessing, the power of blessing. Now, the word blessing is a word Christians use quite a bit. Um, we talk about being blessed and God's blessings and all that. But in our frequent use of the word, sometimes I think we lose sight of the full significance of this word, word biblically speaking. Because to bless someone is to actually impart spiritual life to them. It is to impart to them the goodness of God. See, blessing is something that we can give to others. And in doing so, they get blessed, right? They receive spiritual benefit. So from just doing a word study of the word blessing, this, when I was doing a, researching for this message, I, I was amazed at how often this word is associated with and describes the ministry of Jesus, who perfectly models for us what love looks like, right? Can we all agree with that? Jesus models for us what love looks like. <clears throat> and so what we learn from Jesus is that genuine love lives out these three little words. I bless you. I bless you. To love others is to intentionally bless them, which initially sounds great and wonderful. But I got to warn you, I feel like this kind of needs a warning label on it. Got to warn you about something. In most of the passages in the New Testament where we are urged to bless others, the others that we are to bless are our, our enemies. Um, Luke 6, 28, Jesus says, bless those who curse you. Romans 12, 14, Paul, Paul writes, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Peter writes, 1 Peter 3, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. Because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. I mean, notice how all of these passages that talk about blessing people, they're specifically focused on blessing people that we don't like very much. People who insult us, people who persecute us. We're supposed to bless them. And, and Peter takes it a step further. He, it's not just about this suggestion or this, even this command to bless. He says, to this you were called. To this, <laughs> blessing other people. To this you were called. God calls us as his followers. He calls us to live this kind of a life where we are intentionally and generously dispensing blessing upon the people around us. 
So what exactly does that look like to bless someone? Whether it's our enemy or our spouse or our children or parents or coworkers or, or fellow students or whatever, what does it look like to choose to impart the goodness of God upon someone else? Well, we discover an answer to that question in an incident that happened in the ministry of Jesus. If you have your Bible or Bible app, feel free to turn to Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 13. Of all the four accounts of Jesus' life, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Mark is by far the shortest. He's known for his brevity. His book is the shortest of the four by far. And yet in this passage, Mark, of all people, Mark actually slows down and he describes in more significant detail something fairly shocking that Jesus does. It had been a very demanding day for Jesus. Crowds of people had been coming to him for healing. Religious leaders were trying to trip him up. And in the midst of all of this activity, some parents come to Jesus wanting with their little children, and they want Jesus to bless them. But Jesus' disciples go ballistic. Mark says that the disciples actually rebuked the parents. In other words, they told him, get out of here. Jesus has better things to do with his time, which totally ticks off Jesus, okay? He is indignant. He, he turns to his disciples, and he says to them, emphatically says to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. Don't you dare stop them from coming to me to receive what I have for them. So in a fairly dramatic way here, Jesus, one, he, he values, he gives value to children in a culture that didn't value children. But not only that, he also, in this passage, he also gives value to blessing. He gives value to imparting the goodness of God upon another person. This is important, he says. So in this passage, I want to I just highlight a couple of things here, some specific ways that Jesus blesses blesses them. The first thing he gives them is time. He gives them time. He makes time for them. Jesus stops what he's doing over the disciples' objections, and he gives his attention to these children. One of the simplest ways that we can bless someone is to make time for them. In our society today, for many, many people, time is a very, very precious commodity. In fact, for many, for many of us, for many people, time is more important than money, which is why sometimes it feels easier to give someone $20 than it does to give them 20 minutes of our time. And this is why when we do give someone our time, it is an act of blessing. It is an act of blessing. We are imparting something to them. So Kathy Waters is uh, uh, our receptionist at church. She's on our staff. She told a story at our staff meeting um, recently about a, a trip she was taking to Kansas City. And, and um, so Friday, Friday she's going to fly out to Kansas City, and she, she missed her flight, which was really frustrating. So she had to get back on the shuttle to take her back to her, her car at the parking garage thing. So she's on the shuttle and in kind of a grumpy mood, okay, discouraged or whatever about what had just happened, frustrated. So the shuttle is full of people, and gradually people get off, and then finally she's the only one left with the shuttle driver. 
And she had noticed that he had a different accent. She's from Texas, so everyone has a different accent, right? But um, she noticed he had a he had a different accent. So she just she just asked him about it. Hey, it sounds like you're you know you're not from around here, obviously. Where where are you from? And he explained that he was from a country in Africa and, and um, a French colony, I believe, or something like that. And, and she began asking about that and, and just finding out more information. So when they, they finally got to her car, he got out of the, the shuttle. She got out of the shuttle and he was loading her luggage into the back of her car. And he, and he looked at her and, and, he, and he said to her, I've been driving this shuttle for 12 years. And you're the first person who has ever asked me about myself. I don't even know what to do with that story, <laughs> honestly. I, I, I can't imagine how horribly sad there are, on that shuttle alone, hundreds of people every day within a few feet of this man hurrying to their destination, and no one in 12 years ever took the time to ask this driver about himself. I mean, how many opportunities to bless someone do we miss because we are, we're in a hurry to get to our next destination? Or maybe like the disciples, we don't really feel like this person has that much value to make time for. Jesus made time for these people and in doing so, not only blessed the children and also, but also the parents, modeling for them how valuable children are. He blessed them by giving time. A second way that Jesus blesses um, these children is through words of encouragement. Words of encouragement. So after saying to the disciples, let these children come to me, Jesus then says, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Now that's quite an amazing statement, especially in light of what just happened with the disciples yelling at these parents for bothering Jesus with these children. I mean, imagine, imagine if you were one of those children. Okay, imagine being one of these children and you hear Jesus say this about you, that you reflect the heart and the values of God. How often had any of those children ever heard that? If ever, or ever heard that. I mean, Jesus could have chosen to focus on what the children were doing wrong. He could have harped on them for not behaving or for being wiggly or whatever. But no, he spoke affirmation. He spoke encouragement. He, he spoke of their value in the eyes of God. He spoke it out loud. See, that's exactly how, it's another way we can bless others with our words, it's rather than focusing on telling them about what they're doing wrong or what they did wrong, we can choose to focus on how God sees them and then speak words of life and encouragement over them, words that lift them up rather than words that tear them down. Um, check out what Proverbs 18:21 says, the tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. And that's either way. They're going to reap the consequences for good or for ill because the tongue can bring death or life. It's so powerful. Our words can bring either life to people or they can bring damage to the people around us. I mean, do we realize the power of our words? Do we realize the power of our words? I mean, I can think of a couple of people, probably many more, but just a couple of people in the last couple of weeks who have shared with me a memory where 
during their teenage years, their father said, some, said to them, basically, you are destined to fail. You will never amount to anything. Those words took probably 10 seconds to say and had 40 years of impact. These people are still wrestling with the negative impact those words had over their lives. And of course, the opposite is true as well. And that's what I want to highlight here. We can say things to people that actually build them up, that actually pour life into them, which also can have a long-term impact. Last week at our, our staff meeting, um, one of our staff, newest staff members um, was asked to share her story. Um, we do this with all our staff. So, so, and she shared, she shared her story. And then afterwards, we gathered around her to pray for her. And uh, there were a number of prayers spoken on, spoken on her behalf. It was really cool. And then in the midst of all these, these prayers, one of our staff members just began to, to speak these beautiful words of affirmation to this person. It was like no longer a prayer. It was just to this person, just describing how behind this person's smile is a depth to them and describing what an amazing mom this person is and, and on and on. And as they were saying these things, as they were saying these things to this person, it, it felt to me like a holy moment. I, I, was, I was witnessing something so powerful the pouring of life into another person through encouraging words. So powerful. I mean, what do we look at? What do we look at in the people around us? What do we focus on? Especially the people we don't like very much or the people who irritate us or the son or daughter whose personality is so different than ours. What do we focus on? We focus on things we don't like. Right? We focus on the things we don't like. All the ways that they're not meeting our expectations. And, and those, that focus, it inevitably will come out as criticism and disappointment in our words, inevitably. So Joshua, we have a son, Joshua's 18 years old, has significant special needs and all this stuff. I talk about him all the time just because he's impacted our lives so much. And, um, but he and I... Um, Especially, you know, recently, this is a very recent example here, um, but uh, we are like oil and water sometimes and trying to get him to school, you know, trying to wake him up and trying to get breakfast. And I'm, I'm constantly just kind of carping on him, you know, harping on him, just come on, come on, let's go. What, you know, what's taking so long? You know, all this stuff. And so we had another horrible morning, like Tuesday morning, horrible morning, getting him on the bus. He, we, meaning he and I, had a horrible morning. And uh, after that, after he got on the bus, I was just sitting there and Raylene was like, you know, why don't you try affirming him? She didn't know I was preaching on this either, okay? Uh, so I'm like, oh, I've been studying this. <laughs> you know, I could actually apply it here. Uh, and, and, but she was like, why don't you just tell him what you like about him? And tell him what an amazing kid he is. And all the fun he's going to have today. And just be, just be blessing him. So I tried it. The next morning, it was like the best morning we had had getting him to school. Just the power of affirming him rather than always expressing disappointment. 
with, I'm sure I'm doing it with my countenance and not just my words. Affirming him. It was like pouring life into him. See, we, we, always, we have a choice. We have a choice, right? We, we can focus on things we don't like about people. And when we focus on that, it's going to come out on our words. Or we can choose to focus on the good things in them and, 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 and the God things in them <laughs> and, and speak those words over them. Speak encouragement. You know, the, the English word encouragement, it comes from two words. It's pretty obvious, but I think it's important to highlight. One means to pour in, and the other means courage or heart. Every one of us has the power to pour in to people courage. Every one of us has the power to pour into people to, to strengthen their heart. It's like a superpower. It's like a superpower. Every one of us has the power within us to lift up and pour courage into the people around us with our words. But we also have the power to tear them down and to bring discouragement. How do we wield that power? The choice is ours. Multiple times a day, we're making this choice. <clears throat> and we're leaving an impact. We're leaving an imprint of either life or discouragement upon the people around us. You know, wouldn't it be interesting, I had this thought, wouldn't it be interesting if we could actually see in the atmosphere the, the impact we were having on people with our words? In other words, the color green would mean life. And so in a conversation, we could just kind of see what was being imparted. And the color blue would represent discouragement, right? And we could sort of see that. And so throughout our day, we could look around and we could see what color we are leaving with the people that we interact with. That would be really helpful. Because the reality is we often don't see, we don't realize the impact we're leaving at a, from a conversation. We don't realize the impact we're having. We can't see it that easily, but it is just as real. What color are you leaving in your workplace, in your marriage, in your family, in your neighborhood? What color on social media or wherever, what color are you leaving in those places in, with your words? <clears throat> What a privilege to be people who bless others with our words, right? Who, it's an amazing privilege to actually pour courage and life into the people around us. Every one of us have this superpower. Let me mention one other way that Jesus blesses these children, and that is through meaningful touch. Meaningful touch. I mentioned earlier that Mark really slows down and it's kind of not typical Mark, but he does here. He slows down in his description of this. And it's especially true in verse 16, <clears throat> where he describes in somewhat, some detail how Jesus touches them. So first of all, he says that Jesus took the children in his arms, which means that he, he picked them up and he held them. He hugged them. And then Jesus placed his hands on them, Mark says. He placed his hands on them and blessed them. So in the Bible, to place hands on a person in the context of blessing was what represented this actual transfer 
a spiritual transfer happening, and that's why touch was such an important part of that. So when my children were younger, and, and we had this routine, you've, many, many of you have heard about this, because I've talked about blessing our children a lot, but every Mother's Day we do this as a church, but, um, but every night I would pray for them, and then I would say this blessing from Numbers, the book of Numbers, chapter 6. And as I would bless them with these words, I would place my hand on them. Because biblically speaking, that was, that was a thing that, that often happened. So I'm placing my hand on their head or their shoulder. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And biblically speaking, when we say words like that and we're actually placing our hand, there's this, it's, 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 it's more than a symbol. It just, there's an impartation of, of blessing. There's an impartation of spiritual life to this person. And there's something about the touching of that that, that, that just makes it even more powerful. Um, just the, the, the touch is an act of blessing. It provides this connection with this person. And folks, and, and you all know this, but we are hardwired for this as humans. We, we are hardwired for this. You can find multiple studies, and they break your heart to read, where infants in orphanages or whatever, infants <clears throat> that are not touched or held very often, it actually... It, it, it actually impacts their brain development. And, and it, negatively, it negatively impacts that, and it negatively impacts their ability to attach to people later in life. We are wired for healthy touch, for hugs and handshakes and hands on shoulders, all that. <clears throat> now, in our culture today, I feel like I need to also say that inappropriate touch damages people significantly. Over the years, women have shared with me about <clears throat> someone in authority who 20 or 30, it's not just women actually, but, but I'm, I'm thinking of a couple women who have shared how 20, 30 plus years ago, someone in authority in their life touched them inappropriately, and they are still dealing with the impact. They are still dealing with the impact of that. See, that reality shows us the power of touch and how it can be used to bless people or how it can be used to damage people. I just feel like we need to reclaim the power of healthy, meaningful touch, you know? Can we, can we just reclaim the value of meaningful touch in a society where there has been so much damage through unhealthy touch? We, we were created for this kind of connection with people. D don't underestimate, don't, don't underestimate the power of meaningful touch with your children, with your spouse, with your friends, with your small group. So another Joshua story, I've told this before, but it's one of my favorites. But uh, Joshua was about eight years old. Raylene and him, were at, they were at Walmart. He was in the cart. Um, and she was just, you know, picking up some things. And the back doors at Walmart, the, you know, where the staff are, those back doors, those metal doors open, and this woman, this employee, comes out. She walks out, and it's obvious that she is not happy. She's having a really hard day. She's not happy. Josh is just kind of intuitive to that stuff, and, you know. And so he's sitting there in the cart, and he sees her coming, walking. He's gonna, she's going to walk right by their cart. And so as she approaches them, um, just to walk past, Joshua sees her, and he just goes. And she looked at him and said, is that for me? Uh, he just kind of did his grunt. 
and, she, and he gave her a, a big hug. She got this huge smile on her face. She was walking away. It was like a huge smile on her face just from that interaction. Even without words, Joshua is basically nonverbal. Even without words, Joshua was able to pour life and blessing into this woman who was feeling discouraged and, and, and down. What would it look like? Just follow me here. Think about this. What would it look like for you and me to go through every day or even one day realizing that you and I have inside of us a superpower, an ability to pour life into the people around us through blessing, the blessing of time, the blessing of encouraging words, the blessing of meaningful touch. What would that look like? The other day, uh, someone told me about this uh, documentary that's recently come out about Bill Murray, uh, and, and uh, who's the comedian, uh, you know, the actor, all that, Groundhog Day, um, and, and uh, those movies, um, Bill Murray. So, so I'm watching this documentary a few days ago, and I'm not, hear me, I'm not officially recommending it, okay? Uh, the language is very, very crude, but... But what was so fascinating is that it told, in this documentary, it told story after story of ordinary people who had experienced Bill Murray just showing up and hanging out with them. So one incident, walking by a park, he joins this kickball game that's going on and ends up taking pictures with people and all that stuff. Another example, he helped a guy who had just opened an ice cream stand, you know, sidewalk stand. He helped this guy by getting behind the counter and selling ice cream. He passed by a birthday party for a 95-year-old woman, and he jumped in and just began singing happy birthday to this woman, this grandma that he did not know. He saw a woman outside Wrigley Field waiting to buy, hoping to buy, and wanting to buy a tickets to the Cubs game. And so he said, come with me. And she just sat with him the whole game. Over and over again, stories like that, and over and over again, as these people were interviewed, Bill Murray wouldn't be on the documentary, but all these other people were interviewed. They interviewed about what happened. And they said of Murray, they said over and over again, they said he, he was like an ordinary guy. He just hung out. He asked me my name. We sat at his bar. He asked me my name and what I did for a living. And then I had to go feed the dog, get the dogs and, and, and take them for a walk. And so he waited until I came back. I mean, things like that. And he, he didn't have any agenda other than just being present in the moment. But, in, being, but in, in that being present in the moment, he actually, he transformed that moment for the people around him. One person described it this way. <clears throat> I think I'm getting this right. I was trying to take notes as I was watching this. Um, he, this person said, he's like a candle in a room that when you light it, everything smells great. He brought joy by just being him. Another person said, and I think I get this quote right, this person said, Bill Murray realizes he has the power to make other people have an amazing experience. So he does that by just being with people in the moment. And I thought about that comment a lot and realized the same thing. The same thing is true for each one of us. No, we, we don't have the celebrity status of Bill Murray, but we do have the power we have the power to make other people around us have an amazing experience. We have the power to be present to people around us and to bless them with our time and with our words and with meaningful touch. 
I mean, Jesus is our best model for this, right? I mean, not only did he command us to do this, here's the deal, folks. Jesus actually imparted this to us. And so I was thinking about this and got so excited about this. There, there is this amazing passage of scripture in the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible, right? And, 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 and God declares his purpose really for, for not only for Abraham, but then for the, the, the Israelites, Abraham's descendants, and then us, the spiritual descendants of Abraham. He's declaring his purpose, Right from the get-go, Genesis chapter 12, listen to what God says as he lays out his plan. This is his plan for the world, really. This is his plan, right? I will make you, Abraham, into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. See, notice how blessing works from God's perspective. He blesses us in Christ, right? He blesses us so that we can bless others. That's his plan. When we were God's enemies, he chose to pour out his love into our hearts through Christ's death on the cross. And so the blessing of that unending love for us enables us to pour blessing into the lives of all the people around us, people we know people we don't know, people we like, people we don't like. God's love toward us is our superpower that enables us to bless everyone around us. Amen, let's pray. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you to speak to our hearts right now. Identify specific places or relationships where you are saying, some, you want to say something to us. So if, if you're comfortable doing this, just let's just ask Jesus a question. You don't have to do this, but if you're comfortable, just let's just ask him a question, each one of us for ourselves. Jesus what kind of impact am I leaving on the people around me? Is it green? Is it blue? Am I pouring life into people, lifting them up? Am I tearing people down? Show me, show each one of us the impact we're having. And then second, question to Jesus or statement to Jesus, it would be, forgive me, forgive me for when I haven't been pouring out life, and help me. All of us can pray this in the quiet of our heart, just help me, Jesus, grow in being a person of blessing in my marriage, with my children, with my parents, with, with it, my Co-workers, my employees, my employer, whatever context, would you help 
us grow in being a blessing, in pouring life into people through our time and our words and through meaningful touch, God. I pray, I pray for amazing impact. Workplaces transformed, families transformed by simply applying your words to us. Thank you for what you're gonna do, God. And I wanna pray too, Lord, even beyond that, I, I just think there's some, been something significant in these four weeks together as a church these practical ways of loving people. So it takes love out, love out of the ethereal and it's very practical. Help us grow to see people the way they are and to hear people, to turn our attention to them and to serve people and to bless people. We want to be like you, God. You do all those things so well and we pray you would fill us, Holy Spirit, and enable us to grow as a church, as individuals, enable us to grow in this so that when people experience us, they experience love. They experience love. Thank you, Lord. So as we were praying about this service, we, um, we thought it would be really cool to have an opportunity to kind of practically do this. Um, don't freak out. It's not going to be any weird deal. Um, we've done this before. But uh, we thought it would be cool to have a, a few minutes here of healing prayer, which we do pretty often. We have a time to pray for people who, who need healing. And the way it'll work is in just a moment, you don't have to right now, but I'm just going to have you, everyone stand up. And then anyone who would like to receive healing prayer, just hold their hand up and we will have an opportunity to bless. So if our hand is not being held up, we can actually move toward a person and place our hand on them, power of touch. And if we're comfortable, we can pray for them and speak words of life over them. Okay, so we're gonna, we're gonna practice this. We're gonna take our time to do that. So we're, we're really practicing this, but in the context of, of healing. So this is for West Campus and also uh, 15th Street. We're gonna do this in just a moment. And before we do, I wanna just mention, uh, sometimes it helps to hear stories of things that God has done and is doing. And so I wanted to share a couple things um, from the last time we prayed um, so we prayed four weeks ago. I think it was we did the same kind of thing, prayed for people. And I had a number of people come up and just tell me stories, but I want to mention a couple. One person had debilitating back pain, just seized like three or four days earlier before um, they had come to church and really just could hardly get out of bed. But they somehow made it to church, hobbling here, just made it in incredible pain. They raised their hand during that prayer time and immediately God touched them. And they were the pain was gone and it's remained gone. There are other stories like that, a woman that was battling kind of dizziness, and, and these were chronic symptoms, and she said that, that her dizziness and headaches and all that, they went from like a nine to a three after being prayed for. There was another young man who had, had migraines, um, and I heard this from his mom, had migraines, and, and we were, we were going to pray, and he actually had the courage to raise his hand and receive prayer for that. Um, and um, so initially, he, he received prayer. Nothing you know, happened initially. And um, then a few weeks later, his mom just kind of looked at him and said, you know, I haven't seen your headache face in a while. Have you, have you had any headaches? And he thought for a moment and said, I haven't. I haven't had any headaches. Um, 
Um, so there, there are stories like that. And one other one I want to tell from a few years ago, actually, but I got a letter from a person telling me this story from here at Christ Community. But there was a, a little boy um, who, uh, Lucius was his na- is his name, and he had cancer um, in his body. And um, he had come to church. He had already been treated, had multiple surgeries. He had come to church um, with his mom. And that day, because this cancer was reappearing, he couldn't even hold his head up. Um, and his mom was like, I got to get him down to children's, but I'm gonna, we're going to stay through church here and then go to children's. Couldn't even hold his head up. So she actually left the service with him to find some of our prayer people to pray for him. And they began praying for him in a side room, and someone let me know. And so we, at, a service, at the end of the service, we prayed over him. So then they left, and on the way, a friend had really, coming out from out of town, really wanted to see Lucius. And so, so this friend, okay, we'll stop at this restaurant or something on the way out of town, but we got to keep going or whatever. And so when they, when they got there to see this friend, Lucius got out of the car and he starts running around like a normal little boy. They get down to children's and they, the, she's like, I think God's healed my son. And the doctor's like, well, let's do an MRI. And, he, and, and this is exactly what someone here had prayed. He said, the, the, this tumor, it's actually shrinking. I can't really believe this, but it's actually shrinking. He went back two weeks later. It was shrinking more. Two weeks later, it was completely gone. And he's a, uh, just a, a healthy boy um, today. So that, those are just stories. Yeah, praise God. So those are stories we're, just to build our faith. This isn't, we're not promising anything. God is sovereign, but we want to ask, right? We're going to ask. We know his heart. And so we want to ask and we want to pray for each other. And again, this is an opportunity to bless. And maybe you've never done this before. You've never moved over to someone when they're receiving prayer. But this would be a great opportunity, even if it's just to move to them and place your hand on them and to pray quietly. Totally cool. All right? But we're going we're gonna to see God bless some people and we get to be a part of that. So why don't we all stand? West Campus as well. Just Let's all stand. And again, if you're not, you're not wanting to participate... No one has to participate. We're not making anyone do this. Okay. So, but if anyone here, um, as you're hearing those stories, oh, one of the things I was praying, I just, for this service, this, this issue of lungs came to my mind, specifically like inhalers and asthma and that kind of thing. So I'm just going to mention that. Um, but um, so anyone who has any condition, any, uh, it could be some diagnosis, it could be something, whatever it is, um, that you would like to receive prayer for, just, I want you just to hold your hand up. Just hold your hand up. And then the rest of us, I just want you to look around for someone whose hand is, is being held up, that they're holding their hand up. Just look around for anyone that their hand is up. It could be for any condition. Lungs, it could be cancer, it could be bipolar, it could be anything. Just hold your hand up. And now the rest of us, just gather around. If you see someone near you, let's gather around them. Let's place our hands on them. And the person with your hand up, if you are willing to mention what they're praying for, great. If, you're, if you don't want to, that's, you know, we're not forcing you to. But, but sometimes it's helpful for people to know what they're praying for. for take just five seconds and just tell, tell people kind of what, in general what they're praying for. All right, not a detailed explanation, just kind of a quick explanation. Okay, now let's start praying. So let's just pray for a couple moments over this person. So God, we are, we are you can pray out loud or quietly, um, just pray. So God, we, we pray for these people. Thank you for the opportunity to bless them and we impart blessing to them. 
in the name of Jesus. And we pray, we pray for healing. We pray for pain to be removed in the name of Jesus. We pray for lungs that have struggled to breathe to be filled with your healing power, Lord. We, we pray, God, against diseases, against conditions that have been diagnosed, Lord. We pray for healing from cancer and diabetes, Lord, and bipolar and all these things. God, we pray for depression to lift. We pray for your healing power, for voices to awaken, Lord, for your power and your healing to come. God, pain, leave in Jesus' name. We just, we just speak life over these people. We speak your purposes and your love and your blessing upon these people and how you see them as valuable and important and, and, and worthy of your love. So we pour that out upon them. So Holy Spirit, just come now and, and, and do what you want to do. Do what you want to do. We welcome you. Touch people. Heal people, Lord. <laughs> We welcome you. And more than anything else, we pray that every person receiving prayer right now would experience your love, that you are walking with them in this journey, that you are with them, that you will never leave them or forsake them. You are with them. So pour out blessing, pour out love, pour out healing, we pray. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. All right, if you feel like that's done, you can move back to your seat. If you kind of just feel something else prompting on your heart, just continue to pray for that. So we love you, God. Thank you for the opportunity now to worship you. Set us free to do that. You are so worthy of our praise. You bless us, and we bless you back through worship. So set us free to do that. You're such an amazing God. We, we worship you. We worship you.